and welcome to Tones and Drones, an ambient music podcast produced in the studios of 91.3 FM KVOU. I'm Jason Miller, and right now you're listening to the guitar stylings of Vin Downs. Vin's compositions are an elegant blend of folk fingerstyle guitar, Wyndham Hill guitarist influences, and his classical guitar training. Vin is also a music educator who teaches an award-winning classical guitar program at a New Jersey high school. We'll be talking about his musical journey from classical music training to touring with Will Ackerman and also some of his remembrances of his friend, the late David Crosby. Up next on Tones and Drones, my conversation with guitarist and composer Vin Downs. Thanks for being on Tones and Drones. I really, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. I appreciate the invite. Thank you very much. I'm excited. Well, well it's 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 great because um, you know, I I I think I started listening to your music online, actually. I think I was hearing mm-hmm. stuff that you were posting and playing, and then was able to to listen to the recordings that, that you sent. And um, you know, it's um it's uh I, I wanted to ask you uh to kind of start. Um, how did you uh find um instrumental music was that was that something how did how did instrumental music stick out to you uh well i guess when i was you know when i was young in grammar school and high school i was playing electric guitar and play, playing heavy metal oh wow. um, okay and uh, I, I guess wyndham hill was the first introduction to uh instrumental music i had you know i was in high school reading guitar player magazine and there was an article sure. with michael hedges and uh I usually I like to say that, you know, I was reading the article and, and Hedges described his music as heavy mental. And I, I love the connection between <laughs> heavy, heavy metal and heavy mental. And he just, I don't know, he intrigued me. So I had went out and I bought um, Live on the Double Planet, Michael Hedges. And then I yeah. bought uh, the Wyndham Hill acoustic guitar sampler. And the first one I listened to was the guitar sampler album. And the first tune okay. on there was David, David Collins on the way. And something about it just sort of rewired my brain. And, you know, all of that music was instrumental. I mean, some of the Hedges stuff was vocal too, but um, right. so I, I explored Hedges. I explored Will Ackerman and Alex Degrassi and, and it was all instrumental music. And I, I was just drawn to it. Uh, I don't know. It was just something about it. it just spoke to me. You know, mentioning those samplers, those samplers were like really, in, in my opinion, very important. Yeah. Like you were able to come in and hear a wide variety of people doing overall acoustic music for the most part mm-hmm. in one disc. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, it's really extraordinary. Yeah. And each player was very unique. They all, each one had their unique voice. Um, so it was all that instrumental acoustic world, but you know, every player sounded so different from each other. And I love that. But they all had this connect though. There was some kind of thread in Wyndham Hill still that still, was able to tie them all together you know yeah it, yeah i think that that thread is will ackerman i i, I really think he, he was the genius right. behind all that you know right just mm. right time right place right idea i mean the magic of that era is just it's never been duplicated and i don't i don't think it ever will be Mm-mm, that's the magic of things like that you know it's like when i hear somebody say something like that it's like i don't have i don't take a melancholy strand on it i think about well it's so great that that's there and it's special because it's never gonna be 
du- like you right. said, duplicated like that, something like that, or or the Beatles or anything that people put as outstanding. Yeah, and it, it's <laughs> still know? influencing young players and composers and musicians today. I mean, you know what? I mean, the height of Wendell Hill was in the '80s, so you know, forty some odd years later, it, it's still influencing people. And music is important, and it, it still speaks to people now you know and it always will i mean that that's the test of time for music right if it, if it still speaks throughout generations they were doing something right they were doing right? something exactly exactly you know it's like i'll sit there and i'll, I'll watch something sci-fi and uh it's like star trek next generation and there's classical music and jazz in there and so you go yeah. okay so did they not want to think about future music or will that stuff be around i hope it'll right. still be around you know 400 years from now 500 years from now right right and i just had a conversation i think with my wife recently like you know we grew up on bugs bunny and the flintstones and all that classical music was in all of those cartoons when we were little kids i mean we were you know you knew what classical music was and you knew the power of music without lyrics right you you, the visual with the cartoon and, and the music you know told the story of what you were seeing on the screen that stuff with all of us i think growing up because you know we we grew up with that music we didn't a lot of us didn't know it but we grew up with classical music and jazz music. Yeah, we did. I mean, I remember I remember listening like, you know, I don't know, you know, several years ago now running into Raymond Scott and going, wait a minute. I've heard those songs before with this guy that right. was pretty eccentric. Well, yeah. yeah, that exactly. The cartoon music, all the merry melodies and stuff like that, the stuff that they put together. Um, oh, who was the big composer? Um, the Ranger with the Looney Tunes. Stalled, uh, oh gosh, you know, that did all the merry melodies. Yeah, he did all the, he put a lot of those mm-hmm. tunes together. And yeah, I yeah. think, and I think we also grew up with um, extraordinary soundtracks like, like John Williams anthems, right. where it was like, uh, I remember, you know, myself and friends of mine seeking out those soundtracks. Oh, we got to have right. the soundtrack to, you know, we got to find that have the sound, the Star Wars soundtrack. We have to have the Indiana Jones soundtrack. We, you know, Right. The soundtrack because they were so great instrumental music, you know. Right, right. And I, I loved, you know, the fact that that music didn't really dictate the story to you. You sort of had to come up with the story in your own mind, too. And, you know, two people could listen to the same piece of music and come up with two completely different stories. But that's the power of instrumental music. You know, it 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 allows your own creation as a listener to be part of it you know you have to interact with the music as opposed to a lot of music if it's got lyrics and it tells you exactly what i'm singing about and what the story is you know that's the power of it and windham hill i mean that music did that it's so emotional it's so expressive and i don't you know you can't not be moved by that music i don't think you know with a lot in a lot of different type of emotional you know settings too you know and And that was my gateway yeah that was my gateway into classical music and jazz and stuff okay so it started with Wyndham Hill. Yeah. Very interesting. I, I always find that fascinating, the path that that walks along there, you know, and stuff like that, especially like metal to Wyndham Hill and to classical, classical and jazz. Mm-hmm. Did Wyndham Hill inspire you then to pick up the acoustic guitar? Yeah, I, I was playing heavy metal as a kid, you know, and once I, I checked out those Wyndham Hill records, I immediately, uh, I guess just before that, I was getting out of metal and getting to things like Yes and more progressive sort of, you know, okay. artsy kind of music. And but once I heard the Wyndham Hill stuff, I I was like, I, I need to play acoustic guitar, fingerstyle acoustic guitar. And that's what I got into and exploring the alternate tunings that Hedges would do, was doing. And that was, you know, second half of high school. And then that made me say, well, I want to study music. I want to take this seriously and go to school and study it and going to, to 
university or college for music, it's like you either go classical or you go jazz. Um, at that time, that was like your only two choices. So I was playing fingerstyle guitar. So it was just normal to go into classical music, I thought. And so that was my gateway into classical music. And I studied that. And mm -hmm. then coming out of college, I had studied with John Sheehan, who's a, a great guitar player in North Jersey here. And he was a, he had also studied classical when he was younger, but he was a roots music guy. He played like, you know, country blues and bluegrass and ragtime and all that stuff. So immediately after college, I went to study with him and he sort of broke me into it by turning me on to like John Renborn and Bert Jansch and, you know, because they were doing some classical stuff too, you know, like right. Renaissance music and things on steel string. So right. that was a real, he eased mm -hmm. me into that and then turned me on to like Mississippi John Hurt, John Fahey and Blind Blake and Reverend Gary Davis. Ooh. So, you know, I just kept going through all these different styles Ooh. with the acoustic guitar, you know. Ooh. So you're like running into Travis picking, you're running into the Piedmont blues style. Yeah. Yeah. You're and going I think a lot, lot of it. finger style picking. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it, you know, my earliest memories of music uh, are listening to like records with my mother when I was very young and she loved Don, John Denver, Mamas and the Papas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that stuff, I think, resonated with me when I was just, you know, really little. And so that's always been in my brain the whole love for acoustic guitar and acoustic music so you know mm. it, it like i said travis picking and all that kinds yeah. of stuff you know it's so many different styles within just acoustic guitar music when you listen to those people that you mentioned coming into the 70s mm -hmm. singer songwriters because my parents mm -hmm. had those records and all of a sudden you're running into the the, the finger picking of 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 uh, john denver's work james taylor mm -hmm. um jim croce Yep, and and, and his say. guitarist Mari, I can't remember his last name. Those mm -hmm. amazing acoustical arrangements. Paul Simon's yeah. finger picking. There was so yeah. much good finger picked acoustic guitar. I mean, that's just a fraction in that era, like you mentioned. Right. It was, and it was on up top front. of that. It was on up front. Gordon Lightfoot right. was up front. Yeah. Absolutely. And then on yeah. top of it, they're singing these beautiful melodies. Mm -hmm. So those two things, those are my favorite things right there, you know intricately intric intricately picked guitar parts but with a beautiful melody you know so like nowadays i listen to more singer songwriters and and piano players than i do guitar players because mm. you know i just love that you know melody and harmony it's just you know that's where it's at and that's you know that goes way back to listening to that stuff as a kid that's such a great thing about the guitar is such a fantastic instrument because one of those instruments mm -hmm. that if people, even if they're they're not a musician, you can say, well, you know, on a guitar, you can play uh, melody and harmony together on the instrument like you could on a piano with left and right hands and stuff like that instead of like a trumpet that plays like a melodic line. You know, it's one of those mm -hmm. great instruments that provides melody and harmony itself and and mm -hmm. that's that's a that's a brilliant a brilliant part of it so studying yeah. formally in classical the classical realm uh i find that fascinating so classical music what what grabs your attention it, 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 classically uh being exposed to that music because you're at the formal at the collegiate level mm -hmm. now studying well, even when I, I started playing when I was young, like I, I learned how to read music and I took guitar lessons. So I was kind of always into the theory aspect of music mm -hmm. and understanding the language of music. Uh, and then, you know, just at the end of high school, deciding to go into classical, it, it was fingerstyle guitar music. And that, that was the big draw for me. But, you know, it was challenging. It was difficult. And um, 
but I loved the world of just, you know, uh, music theory and, and composition and performing classically as a soloist and performing uh, with ensembles, all of it. I was drawn to all of that stuff. And I, you know, I knew even, you know, I studied it and I earned a degree in performance and music education. You know, I knew that I wasn't going to be a classical performer. That wasn't where I was going to go with guitar playing. So I wasn't at, you know, at that level to be a classical performer. I mean, uh, but I knew that and that was fine because that was just going to be uh, another sort of tool in my in my toolbox as I kept studying other forms of music. And then eventually I was always writing music and I had studied composition in college. But the goal was always to write my own music, even from when I first started playing guitar. black dots and squiggly lines of, of actually physically writing the music i was always into that i just always loved that from when i first started but you know guitar is one of those instruments where you know nowadays and i teach guitar in high school so i see it all the time with young kids learning how to read music is it, it, that's hard it's it's not the easiest thing in the world and you know it takes as much practice doing that as it does to play the instrument but guitar is one of those instruments where you don't have to read music to play i mean there are plenty of people who will ackerman doesn't read a note of music at all you know um, and he's a genius composer and player, but he doesn't, he can't read a note of music. He's got his uh, own he, documentation system. <laughs> oh, he, and let me tell you about it. He does. And it, I, it confuses my brain, but he understands it himself, <laughs> you know? So, you know, you can learn how to read just tabs, which is sort of like playing by numbers for guitar. But I was always into the, the, you know, composition part of it, knowing that I would write for guitar, but then also for other instruments and, and different genres of music. And I think it's important to be able to, no, I think, it, well, you don't have to, but I think it's important to know music theory because that's the language of music. Yeah. And if you understand the language, you could speak better with 
within whatever genre you're you're playing right so i think it's important it only makes you a a better musician and like i tell my students i think the goal is to be you'd want to be a musician not a guitar player you want to be a musician who happens to play the guitar so you know if you understand the language you'll speak through your instrument whatever that instrument is but i think it, it only makes you a better musician a better composer and a better performer that's 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 really that's a really important thing to 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 talk about mm-hmm. like to to point out like what are what are some other key things that you that you would say this is something that you need to 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 learn in the way that you can to be a musician that doesn't necessarily tie you you know even to your singular instrument perhaps right um well like i tell my students that you have to you have to listen to music <laughs> You'd be surprised how many students I've taught over the years, you know, when I ask them what their favorite music is, the answer is, I really don't listen to music. <laughs> like, but you're playing, you're learning how to play an instrument. How, how do you not listen to music? You know, I think it's important first to listen to a lot of music across, across all kinds of genres, try things that, you know, you don't have to like everything, but you should expose yourself to everything. And, and once you're, you're sort of, you know, you become, you become fluent on your instrument. You should dabble in learning how to play other styles of music whatever it is rock metal jazz blues classical country bachata whatever it doesn't matter what it is but try to little you know learn a little of everything and you have this like circle of influence you can draw from later on um if you're into if your goal is to write your own music you you want to have all those influences within you because eventually all of that stuff is going to be coming through you it's going to be filtered through you and hopefully you find your own voice so i think listening to lots of different types of music and trying to play lots of different types of music is really important and play with other musicians you know always play with other musicians who are better than you mm-hmm. <laughs> uh in all sorts of styles you know and and, and study with somebody study privately with somebody yeah it, that's really important because now we live in the youtube era where everybody thinks they can just go on youtube and i'll just watch a tutorial video and i'll know how to do this but that's not how it works. You can't interact. <laughs> really you can't interact. You, right. Yeah, you can't you interact. Yeah. And music is more than yeah. just playing the notes. It's it's all that stuff in between the notes, the expression and, you know, uh, the phrasing, all that stuff. That's what's that's what makes music. And, you, you know, it's kind of hard to learn that watching a YouTube video. <laughs> you can't you can't get a response to your question. I mean, you must no. get a lot of unique questions. Mm-hmm. About music from students, right? Like ones they couldn't, I mean, how do you, you can't get that from somebody that's just pre-recorded. You must get some interesting questions right. and, about and why them, and how and what. And... <laughs> yeah. And a lot of them think that it, it's an easy answer that you, you know, oh, I just looked it up or I just, I just looked the tabs up or I watched the video and how come it doesn't sound right? Well, this is why, and there's so much more to it, you know, but again, it, I think listening could solve a lot of those problems too. Like really actively listening to music and because a lot of people you know when they listen to music they're not really listening it's sort of background really passive you know it's right it's right passive listening and if you want to be a musician you you can't be a passive listener you you have to be you have to listen intensely you really do yeah but yeah yeah Yeah. well no i know what you mean and sometimes it's with music that demands your attention can still be passive I mean, I'll just program, I speak with a lot of ambient artists, and one of the keys of ambient that's very interesting is that, I mean, Eno has that quote where he says you want to be able to listen, you know, as in the background as you want or as close as you want, 
right? Right. And so, but that's one of the things about ambient music that that has appealed to me is that it has both natures of that. It's not really screaming at you, but you can kind of be active or passive with that. But it's it's different than other music because it, it does set a soundscape in an environment sometime more so than something that is not that, you know, whatever, whatever that means. It's not, doesn't have an ambient quality necessarily mm-hmm. to it. Um, and, uh, and, and, but yeah, you have to actively listen, you want to pick it apart, but then when you're learning any kind of genre of music, you have to listen, even ambient music, you have to listen all the sounds that come in and when they do and the textures and things, and what is that instrument in the background and what are they doing? How are they doing it? The, right. um, so what, um, what level, uh, what age groups are you, are you, um, teaching, uh, the guitar to? Uh, it's high school. It's ninth grade through 12th grade. So you're talking like 14 to 18 years old. Uh, and I teach all classical guitar um, classes. So I've been doing this and I teach at the high school that I actually graduated from. Cool. So I've been doing this about, I guess, 10 or 11 years I've been running this program. And nice. it, it's great because it's high school kids. Uh, I don't have to really advertise the program because as soon as the kids see the word guitar, they're like, I'll take that class. <laughs> um, so I'm glad it still has that appeal. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. The and then they get to my class. <laughs> right. And then they get to my class. And because they didn't really read the class description, they just saw the word guitar. I tell them, well, this is classical guitar, everybody. So if you want to play Taylor Swift or Slayer, we're not doing that here. Um, it's all classical guitar. So I'll have classes anywhere from 10 kids to 30 kids. Mm. And, you know, I, I had to decide when I started the program. Do I little do a little bit of everything, teach them a little rock guitar, a little this guitar, a little that guitar, or should I just pick one vehicle to run with? Mm. And so what I decided to do classical because I found a couple of really good um, curriculum that would work for classroom settings because it, it's hard to teach any instrument to 30 kids at the same time. Wow. But I found a couple of curriculum uh, that worked. So, you know, the kids understand that it, you're going to learn how to read music. You're going to sit funny like a classical guitar player. You're going to use your fingers, no picks. And if you stick with me for the year, you're going to learn everything you need to learn in order to play whatever you want after this class. Mm. So by the end of the first year, if you want to go online and find Metallica tabs and play a Metallica song, you'll be able to read it. You'll be able to figure out where it is on a guitar and you'll be able to do it. If you want to play Taylor Swift songs and strum chords, you'll have the tools Mm. to do that. If you want to continue with the guitar program at school and go into guitar two, three, and four, you'll be playing with a classical guitar ensemble that's playing Bach and, you know, like some serious classical music. So it, it, I teach them classical guitar, but they can really play anything and they can branch off and experiment with whatever they want to after they've had it, at least one year. Some kids I'll have for four years and, you know, by after four years, they can pretty much play whatever style of music that they're into and to wow. a certain degree. But, that you know, and, cool. and the kids, once I tell them it's classical guitar and you got to sit funny and use your fingers, nobody drops the class. They kind of stick with it. And, you know, it, it works. It works because, again, it's high school age. It's guitar. It doesn't yeah. bother them that they're playing classical guitar. You know, they're, they're playing guitar, period. So, you know, after this is my 27th year teaching and it now being a guitar player who only teaches guitar every day, mm. it's like a dream, dream job. You know, it's it's not too common to have a, a full-time guitar program in a high school yeah. it's starting to grow uh in new jersey and around the country but you know it, it's a dream gig and and i really enjoy doing it that's fantastic that is really something i i mean uh it's good to see that to know that that's expanding mm-hmm. and and that's really great I, I i'm glad there's a great receptiveness to the fact that 
you play this and you can go and take this knowledge and apply it to strumming chords or mm -hmm. or yeah, reading tabs and playing rock pentatonic leads and Mm -hmm. that that's that's really that's really cool what did you teach before uh focusing it strictly to uh, guitar uh level classes on, on well on i've i spent most of my career in the elementary school and our elementary schools here in new jersey go from pre-k which are four-year-olds up to eighth grade so you're talking 13 14 and i i taught oh, wow. general music there i taught choir for years and years and then i taught band for a few few years as well mm -hmm. um and then I was up the high school. I did some choir at the high school and then now guitar. I mean, I've taught theory classes, history classes, but primarily for the last 10 or 11 years, just guitar, which is wonderful. So I've done everything from vocal music to general music to instrumental music. Yeah. Yeah. Does the, I was just curious about this. I'm interested in music education. Is, is there an allowance with the curriculum for uh, say, um, for interdisciplinary, say someone that is, you know, uh, really serious about uh, being in the, the wind ensemble can still take guitar. Someone that's very yeah. serious at that level, being a singer, can take the mm -hmm. guitar. It, it interweaves. So you got people that yeah. can read music and maybe, but they're learning, you know, a different, uh, you know, I mean, it just sounds great. They, they may be a bass clef instrument, now they can learn the guitar. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. In fact, I'll take a lot of kids that um, are in our band program. They might come into guitar one class and I'll just tell them, well, you're going to skip guitar one class and go right into the ensemble classes because you can already read music. Yeah. You know, you already know what it's like to play an instrument. You know what it's like to play with an ensemble. So those kids pick up the instrument really quickly. You know, I tell them all that physically playing the guitar is the easy part, you know, easy in quotation marks, sure. easy part. It's the reading, learning how to read music. That's the challenge. But the kids that come to me from band or from other, you know, sometimes from choir, they already know how to do that stuff. So yeah. playing the guitar is kind of easy for them. Mm -hmm. But what I like about the program, I, I think one of my favorite things is it's one of those programs that I, I'm able to pull kids from all spots of the high school. I'll get band kids. I, you know, I'll get the music kids. I'll get some drama kids. I'll get some art kids. I'll get kids from the honors program. I'll get kids from the trade school programs. I'll get kids who are sports kids. So I'll get kids from all walks of life. And when they play in an ensemble for one, two, three years with each other, they become a really solid group of friends. And what's intriguing to me about that, it, it's a group of friends that ordinarily probably would have never talked to each other in high school ever because they all came from different cliques or different walks of life in high school. But in my room, you know, they all sort of come together and making music with other people is that's just one of the greatest experiences you could have, you know, just creating art with other people is doesn't get better than that. Wow, that's wonderful. So that, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I like that about the program. It really speaks to the uniting Mm -hmm. concept of music and, and the collaborative thing of it it does you it know? absolutely does so mm -hmm. teaching and having this background education and that kind of i how would you say that kind of also connects to you being a performing artist yourself and recording artist and solo artist so i wanted to ask you about that um mm -hmm. at, at the same time doing that um uh, sometimes being in music education you're also trying to um Play yourself, have time to yeah, play yeah. and compose well, yourself <laughs> and play well, and be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the good thing about being a teacher is, you know, you do have some time, you know, I, you know, you have summers, which is great. You know, yeah. people say the two greatest things about teaching are July and August, <laughs> but yeah, you have time. And, and even during the school year, I ha and I have a guitar in my hand all day long. So okay. I do have the time to do it. But what's also great about it is, you know, teaching is my, that's my career. That's, that's the bread and butter. That's, you know, my pension, my insurance and all that stuff. 
Um, right. So it is, it's allowed me to sort of pick and choose music things that I want to do outside, you know, recording I've always wanted to do, but even when the, the opportunities after I had some records out, when I had the opportunity to, to uh, be Will Ackerman's touring partner and these gigs, you know, made themselves available to me. Yeah. I had the time as, uh, you know, to do that stuff. I mean, cause I, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't on tour for months or months at a time, you know, we do a weekend here, a weekend there, you know, one off here, one off there. So it allowed me to pick and choose and have really great gigs to play, but you know, I didn't rely on that to pay the bills or, you know, I could just do it for fun for enjoyment, which, you know, really put the pleasure into it. It didn't seem like work ever, you know, which is great. Cause you know, I have friends who that's all they do is play and tour and, you know, and that's, that's sure. a tough gig Sounds because, like you know, when something yeah. like the pandemic happens and you don't have any work coming in for a year and a half or, yeah. you know, you could be, you know, really popular one day and the next day, not so popular. And, you know, the, you may have gigs one day and not many gigs the next day. So it's, it's a tricky business. And, you know, the whole thing with streaming and all that stuff can't even get, don't even get started about that. So yeah. You know, I don't have to worry about that. I could just do it and enjoy it. Like, you know, write all the time, record. Now I'm trying to record almost once a year. And and if gigs come up, gigs come up and I'll take them. You know, it's 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 all good. I wanted to ask you about your your albums too, like being able to say, to start to 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 make an actual album. Now, how how did that come about at, at, for for you? Is like, like wanting to compose, wanting to record, and then you formulate all those things and you make the records. I was always writing music, and and you know the only thing is I always had like I had lots of songs, lots of half finished songs, <laughs> things that just weren't complete. I did that for years and years and years, and I just. I don't know if it was just I didn't have the courage to to put stuff together and say, here's my music and really put it out there. Yeah. But I, I just never really got a lot of stuff completed. And it, I had a conversation with I had the opportunity to meet uh, Kelly Joe Phelps, who was this fantastic blues singer, songwriter, guitarist, who unfortunately passed away, uh, I think, last year. But I was always a big fan of his. And I had reconnected with a, an old high school friend and this high school friend of mine had always been on the road with Kelly Joe Phelps. He was his uh, photographer. Wow. So Kelly Joe was in New York and, and we went to a show and my friend took me to the show. And I had this great conversation with Kelly Joe, who is this prolific writer. He was always writing music, lyrics, poetry, just always writing. And we had a, a conversation about uh, the creative process. And he had told me that 
he wrote every day just to write and 95% of what he wrote went into a filing cabinet someplace and he never, ever looked at it again. It was just the process. It wasn't the product he was ever worried about. It was just the process of creating and, you know, just doing it to do it. And something about this conversation, like really clicked in my head and I was really inspired by our talk. And um, right after that, I, you know, in the months following maybe three or four months, I was able to write a complete album, wrote 13 songs or something. And I had a friend connect me with a local studio here in town. I figured, let me, let me just go record these records, this record. And and I did, and I put it out there and, you know, this was 2009. So I really know, I knew how to get stuff out there, but then I didn't really know what to do with it once it was out in the world and um, recorded my first couple albums locally. And then I had, I reached out to David Cullen, who was on Wyndham Hill records, right? He was on one of those Wyndham Hill uh, acoustic samplers. And I realized he lived in Pennsylvania and I reached out to him to take a guitar lesson. I went out to his house in Pennsylvania. We took a guitar lesson. It was fantastic to meet him. Uh, great lesson. And I came home, didn't think about it afterwards. Uh, and about a year and about a year later, I got an email from Will Ackerman sort of out of the blue uh, asking me to come up to the studio in Vermont. Uh, he liked my music and he thought maybe the studio would be a good uh, option for me to record at. And uh, I actually told my wife that I thought it was a spam email. I didn't believe that it was Will Ackerman emailing me. So I, I didn't reply to it. I just, I blew it off and I didn't reply to it. And then, you know, a few weeks later, my wife Marie was like, did you reply to the email yet? I'm like, he's not, it's spam. He's not going to, she said, just email him. So I responded to the email and within five or 10 minutes, uh, Will email me right back. So I was like, oh, okay. I'm talking to Will Ackerman now. So now my head is exploding mm-hmm. because I can't believe I'm, you know, talking to Will Ackerman, who was a huge, you know, icon for me. So set it up, went up to his studio, we met, um, we kind of clicked and he said, well, let's make a record together. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm going to make a record with Will Ackerman. So that's how it really started. The following year I recorded Unlike the Stars, which was the first record I did with him and Tom Eaton, who was equally genius uh, in the same breath. You have to, I mean, you know, yeah. Will Ackerman is Will Ackerman, the godfather of new age music, genius, brilliant. Yeah. People often forget that Tom Eaton is also equally brilliant and a genius. And he, yeah. he him and Will together is, it's just, I mean, you can't think of a more dynamic team in yeah. new age music. So that's how it started, basically recording yeah. um, with Will and Tom. And and Will produced, the, I think, Unlike the Stars and When the Sea Let's Go. And then after that, I, I was still working up at Will's studio, but with Tom. Uh, and then after that, I've been recording with Tom in his studio uh, the last three releases, I believe. So, that, I mean, that's how it started. But I was lucky to sort of, it was like serendipity. I, I you know, I found out later, I, I didn't know how Will got my my information. I had no idea. And we were on a on the road playing a show someplace, and I, you know, it came up. I was like, "How, how did you even know who I was?" You know, <laughs> and apparently, what it was is after I had taken that lesson with David Cullen, uh, about a year later, he was unable to tour with Will anymore because he was always Will's duo partner and tour partner. And David said, "Well, why don't you call this guy Vin Downs in New Jersey? He's not far from you. Uh, check out his music. He might be a good fit." So it was David Cullen I really owe it to because he set me up with Will initially that's that's really cool tom, tom that's amazing to record tom's studio it's like i, I tom, he's just a masterful recording engineer arranger multi-instrumentalist i mean 
yeah. his his setup that he has is just yeah. unique and amazing. I it just I was just it, it, I got a little bit of a video tour when we were speaking on here of mm-hmm. his setup there, and it was just it was astounding. I, yeah. I I it just it's amazing. And well, so now I, just a question though about about touring with Will. Now were you playing were you playing some of his song some of his songs and and having to 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 learn parts related to his compositions and alternate tunings and, and such yeah well the funny thing is i had never really even played a solo gig of my own music ever before oh really <laughs> right i mean okay. i played a couple of local things here in town but you know i had never played a real solo gig ever of my own music right. and after i recorded on like the stars with will i will never forget i was at a pittsburgh pirates baseball game with my son we're watching batting practice and will called me and said hey could you play a gig with me at the uh the kate theater in old saybrook connecticut and i remember my yeah. i was freaking out because i was thinking okay number one i've never really played a solo gig before okay two if i say yes i'll be playing my first solo gig with will ackerman right <laughs> you know yeah. but i also knew that if i said no that door would close and never reopen so yeah. I said yes to that. And and yeah. yeah, so basically those gigs, we there were three types of gigs we did. It was just either me and Will together, or we did gathering concerts, um, which were two guitar players and two piano players. Okay. And they were always people that he produced for, at his studio. And then um, we did four guitar concerts with uh, it was myself, Will Ackerman, Trevor Gordon Hall, and Todd Mosby. But on all of those gigs, what we would do is I would do some solo numbers, Will would do a couple solos, and then I would duet uh, on his songs, uh, like, you know, five or six of his songs, we'd always duet on them. So I did have to, you know, I'd have to either write a part that went with his song or like uh, Hawk Circle, I would learn David Cullen's part that he recorded um, on Will's, one of Will's records. Um, So it was a little of everything, kind of. Okay. Well, that well, that adds another layer because like you're playing a concert gig, but you're having to learn parts of something. So that's another layer of just saying mm-hmm. doing your concert gig where it's all your own compositions, but you're you add the element of learning yeah. other parts in that too. So that's yeah, that, that's and, like another and, layer, right? And to Will Ackerman songs and having to be on stage next to him, next to him playing that, you know, right? Sure. At first it was like great pressure, but then you know after a while it was like I. You know, every time I played with him, I'd look over and say, I got to pinch myself because I'm here. I am on stage with Will Ackerman playing, you know, Hawk Circle or Processional or, you know, any number of his amazing songs. So, yeah, it was a real privilege. That's really awesome. That's an amazing story right there. How are you able to connect with people that influenced you and and were able to play alongside them? I mean, that's just amazing. And and, and I, I want to talk to you too about you know you got the recording the albums and and too and then you also make your 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 music and, and like we talked about tab early on you know the 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 tablature notation of guitar you make those available too and I, that seems that's very unique to me you know not everyone makes their compositions available you know outside of the recording or whatnot that that's really mm-hmm. cool when did you decide to to not just document them but to release those. Uh, well, for my first few albums, I, you know, I always uh, notate a few of the songs at least. Um, but yeah. I, I started to realize that I, my memory is failing. <laughs> so I was, you know, I notate, I record everything either on my phone or something, and I start notating it immediately now. So the last few albums, as soon as I'm writing songs, I'm putting it into Sibelius and notating it. Yeah. And I do standard notation as well as guitar tabs 
together. Um, so it really came out of uh, necessity of just for me being able to remember my stuff. So I'm, I'm writing a lot and I, I have uh, journals I write in as well, music uh, manuscript journals, because, you know, I've learned the hard way that I, I need to document everything. Even if it's just a four measure phrase or something that I like, I need to write it down because I've forgotten more stuff than I remember, you know, and, and there have been whole tunes that I've written. And because I didn't document it, if I didn't play it for a long time, yeah. it would just be gone, you know? Um, yeah. And then I just thought, you know, it'd be great because a lot of guitar players offer tabs on their website, but I thought it'd be oh, great really? if I would offer yeah. everything, like every song in tabs. So I'm working now on, I think I have 61 songs done. I have like, I don't know, nine more to complete my entire catalog. So going forward, you know, the last three records, I've notated everything even before I recorded it. So once I put the album out, you know, the tabs are available for for every single song. So hopefully going forward, I will do that for every record. So every single song that I've recorded and released, you know, if somebody plays guitar, they could just, if they want to play it, they could either buy the tabs in bulk you know, I offer all of my tabs together in one, you know, one collection. You can buy tabs by the album or you can just buy tabs individually. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there that like playing instrumental covers of fingerstyle guitar music. So I'd like to make it available because I, I love that. There's no better compliment than when somebody sends me a video or I see a video on YouTube of somebody covering a piece of music that I wrote. I mean, that's a great compliment. So I enjoy that. And if people dig it, you know, that's great. And now the last year I started doing a newsletter through my website. Uh, every month I'll put out a newsletter and I write a new piece of music every month, a short little study, you know, maybe minute, minute and a half long. And I'll give that away for free every single month. So if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get the notation tabs for free. And then I'll shoot a little video so you can see me playing it. And another way, it's just another way to, you know, to give music out to people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it connects to your educational background mm -hmm. of, 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 of that too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, 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 no, that's really cool. Cause it's like, it gives it, you know, inspires people to play what you play. Cause they're probably learning something different as far as like a technique or something. It's really, that's really cool like that. Yeah. To, and we all had one piece yeah. of music or one guitarist or something that, you know, really did something to you when you, when you first heard it and you know, you were so inspired by it that you had to learn that style of music or learn that song or, or whatever. So you never know, could just be some song that you don't think is very important, but to somebody, maybe it is important. That's true. Yeah. And like they seek it out and want to learn to play it, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, sure. did, did you, um, did, you'd mentioned when you talked about Michael Hedges earlier and about like um alternative, alternate tunings, and then with Will, mm -hmm. everything's an alternate tuning. Um, <laughs> it's all alternate tuning. Um, did, uh, uh, was that something that, but then again, coming from a, classical background was that something how did how did you embrace that a little bit and said hey man, yeah I I, I I i this is another way that i can put my fingers a different place and find some new new spots you know yeah i when i listened to hedges in high school i was already experimenting with the altered tuning okay. and then studying classical guitar it was rare that you ever untuned anything on the guitar right um but then i went back to that and a lot of my, my my first two records are mostly in standard, but the stuff that I did with Will and Tom early on, like Unlike the Stars, When the Sea Let's Go, uh, Good Light to Go By, a lot of that stuff is in alter tunings. So I really like that. And I, I used it for the same reason, like if you ask Will Ackman why he does it, and literally Will's entire catalog is in different tunings. He might have three songs that are in the same tuning, but every single song is in a wacky tuning. And Will's tunings are the wackiest tunings on planet Earth. 
And I tell you from experience of having to tune his guitars backstage for shows, it was a nightmare for me. I have his, I have his laminated list of his tunings that I always joke to him that I was going to have tattooed on my body someplace so I wouldn't forget them because they're so, there's no dad gad, there's no drop D, they're all like crazy wacky tunings. So, and you know, that's why his music sounds so good because he, he experiments so much, but yeah, I always did it. And then I started to actually, the I guess with maybe belonging just where you are, that that release, I started to go back to standard tuning because I had been in alternate tuning for so long. And one uses alternate tuning because it's a fresh canvas. You can't put your fingers where your fingers normally go, right? If you try to play a C chord in alternate tuning, it's not going to be a C chord. So it, it sort of gets you out of the rut of going to the same old things you play as a guitar player. It gets you into different keys it opens up the sonority of the guitar. The range is gigantic. It's it's just, you can play just beautiful chords and beautiful voicings. But I found myself after writing in alternate tunings for so long, and I used about 13, 14, 15 different tunings. I started to find myself going to the same things, even in altered tunings. Like I was getting so used to those tunings that I was creating new ruts within those altered tunings. So I, one of my favorite guitar players is lyle brewer this guy in boston who plays every style of music he teaches at berkeley um mm -hmm. jazz classical rock he's one of the cleanest players on the planet but he also writes finger style guitar music in standard and it doesn't sound like he's in standard he, he just writes mm -hmm. beautiful stuff trevor gordon hall my dear friend who you know i've i've recorded with and toured with and Trevor Gordon Hall, if you listen to his music, you would swear everything is in an altered tuning. And 90% of the time, Trevor's in standard tuning. Okay. And I mm. never knew that until I started playing with oh. Trevor. And I, it blew my mind that he could write such gorgeous music in standard. And the key was trying to do what you did in alternate tuning, using open strings a lot, um, and getting these voicings in standard tuning. So there's a way to do it. You just got to play around with standard for, for a little bit. And going back to standard was tough for me. It was, you know, trying not to go to ruts that you already knew or, you know, going to ordinary things that your fingers would always go to in standard, um, trying to think outside the box in standard and make it sound like you're in an altered tuning, get those same voicings and use the open strings uh, playing Campanella style melodies where you're using fretted notes and open strings at the same time. Mm. Uh, so working on, I've been working on that the last few years and I'm having a lot of fun with that. that, that that's been fun. But mm, alternate tunings are, are so. common. You know, a lot of guitar players nowadays are using them. And I think that all started with, you know, Will and Hedges. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a, that that style open tunings against fretted notes. What's that style again? You said Campanella. Campanella. Yeah, that's a classical term. It's it's basically if you played a scale line, instead of fretting every note, you'd fret some of the notes, but also use open strings. Okay. So what happens is you have these notes uh, resonating against themselves, creating sort of like a, a a pretty dissonance. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's like playing if you played a scale on a harp where all the the strings are sort of ringing out. Yeah. It mimics that, and th I think that's where it comes from. It's like mimicking uh, playing on a harp. On a harp style. Yeah. So okay, yes. so there's ringing notes. So you have mm -hmm. you have like sus you have suspended notes running against them. You have twos right. and stuff exactly. like that, and, and just mm -hmm. things running against to but not muting them like if you played them all fretted. That's in, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's, that's it just, cool you know, it, it gives you more resonance. You know? Okay, that's mm -hmm. really, yeah, that's an interesting style to do that. Like yeah. as far as like, as far as like now, 
having several albums and, and compositions notated. Um, are there any like recording projects that you would, that you would like to do? Like how you would like to, you know, you pair, pair, pairing the guitar with other instruments. Is there anything like that, that, that you've thought of before since playing guitar ensembles and, and duets mm -hmm. and stuff like that? Um, what are some things that you would like to do in a sense of pairing the guitar with something else? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, 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 there's I, so much now. <laughs> there is. Yeah. There's, I've been um, writing yeah. guitar uh, ensemble pieces like for, you know, three or four guitars. So I do want to record some of those by myself. Oh, cool. Um, but, you know, I, I've played, I've had some people on my records. I've had Eugene Friesen play cello, which is a beautiful combination guitar mm -hmm. and cello uh fretless bass obviously I, uh, man ring played on a tune for me oh. uh tony levin and my lees who played um bass in, with um david crosby and um names escaping me now it'll come to me fantastic bass player uh, from estonia jazz bass player she's wonderful she played on a track um you know i like that so i haven't i haven't really i don't know i always think about like oh i need to bring some more instruments on the record and I just, I just, I don't know. I haven't found that thing yet that I really want to do. Not really yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I have been talking to Tom Eaton to try to do some electric guitar stuff with some of his padding and some of his synth stuff, um, yeah. the ambient thing. But I have such yeah. a hard time trying to play an ambient style. Like we, mm -hmm. we had a trio together, Tom, myself, and uh, Jeff Oster. Yeah. And we did some ambient stuff. But oh, I, don't, cool. I don't know. It's just, I think it's so far from what I've ever done before. And the sort of like not playing a lot, <laughs> like leaving space, you know, I don't think yeah. any guitar player understands like, what do you mean? Don't play, you know, don't leave space. So I'm trying yeah. to work on that. Tom has sent me some tracks and, and I really am trying to um, come up with some electric guitar stuff. So that's something I'm, I'm hoping to do eventually. Yeah. It's yeah. cool to get your perspective when we have a lot of instrumental music on here, all styles and of course a lot of ambient to get mm -hmm. your perspective on on ambient looking into ambient that's that's really yeah, interesting yeah. well that you mentioned that the playing a lot and there's also like the fact if i said that the guitar might not sound like a guitar <laughs> you know yeah. there's that aspect of it right of of yeah. of, of you know where it does you, you know, that's a guitar that's not a synthesizer or or something like that yeah because when we, we've done it before you know, tom has plugged me into his i think the fractal thing that he has and it, it's like all oh, this crazy beautiful reverb and it's like it's so far removed from just acoustic guitar yeah <laughs> you know it it it's it'll take a i think well it's gonna take a long time for me to adjust to that i think and i'm trying i'm really trying and i keep telling tom just please be patient i really want to do something together with this i just have to feel comfortable in it you know that that's that's interesting i it's very interesting here you talk about that coming out coming from a different style of guitar and looking into to that yeah, world that's yeah. interesting yeah so you think about that it's like all this all the processing and doing what you do but having it sound different just by mm -hmm. sheer processing just sheer effects yeah wow yeah it, yeah. yeah and you know amb yeah. ambient music is Tom, like Tom's one of my favorite. I don't listen to a lot of ambient stuff, but I love Tom's music because, you know, you have to have patience because it just unfolds so slowly. Yeah. But when it's done well, it's, it, you know, I can listen to Tom's music and, and just be so tuned in 
even if it's a really, really long piece, I could be so, Eno's the same way. I could be so tuned into what's happening and those slow changes over time, you know, it's just as a player myself, I don't know how to do that yet on guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeff Pierce is a guy who's brilliant at doing that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. good at it. I just don't know how to do that yet in time. I'm sure, you know, maybe I'll, I'll learn. Um, yeah. But I think it's like I have to let go of all the guitar things that I'm thinking of and not even think about that it's a guitar in my hand. I just have to let go and just think musically and forget that I'm playing a guitar, you know. So it's going to be a learning curve, but hopefully one day. So that that is in the plans for somewhere down the line. That's cool. I look forward to hearing that. That's interesting. That's interesting because it's almost connects to your thoughts on being a musician. You'd have to let go of all of that your instrument to fit in this ensemble right yeah and, and again and it just reminds you different musical things different theory right, right? yeah and the key there you is know? thinking about the music and not mm-hmm. thinking about you know what you're using to say that music it's 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 not the vehicle it's the music itself right and you know sometimes we get we forget that i think i think every instrumental person think forgets that sometimes right i think so i yeah. think so especially you know f- putting so much work and so much study because it's not easy into, you know, a specific instrument. I mean, you know, that mm-hmm. in itself probably is something that can, you know, maybe keep the blinders on sometime and try to pull those away and see the bigger picture yeah. of a musician. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, I think I really learned that the most from Will and Tom, you know, they're so good at it. They're so good at at, a, at getting the best out of a musician when they're in the studio. It's it's unbelievable. Anybody's ever recorded with the two of them understand that that when you're in the studio, they they they're able to relax you and just let you just your voice come out and forget about the instrument you're playing. It's all about the music, and they're so good at that. And I I always tell them that I learned more with them the first four days I recorded with them. I think I learned more about music than four years of college, you know, studying music because wow. they're just so good at that brilliant you know um you know then it's it's been great to talk to you on here I, it, listening to your music that you've sent and listening to things online and hearing you play online a lot and and and, and just kind of share with everyone has been really wonderful and so it, it's been so cool having you on the program you're welcome here anytime you know and right. and and it's it's been an honor having a lot of the people that we've that we we've i've got to be able to have been on this program and that that you work with you know too haven't been on this show and hopefully people can listen to their conversations and you know and and every it's a great community is what i really want to say it is it's been really it's it's a great group of of musicians and people and it It is thank you for what you do and i really appreciate uh inviting me this has been wonderful i really enjoyed our conversation it was very great very very much so and and as our conversation as the time of our conversation, I, I wanted to ask. Uh, this has only been not very long since the passing of David Crosby, and I'd seen that 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 you knew him. And again, mm-hmm. there's someone talking about listening to music in in his era, acoustic guitar music, right? Alternate tunings and beautiful melodies and beautiful speaking styles, right? Um, yeah. But but I wanted to ask you about about knowing him and 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 your relationship. Um, having known him and, and, and his, his music and his artistry. Yeah. He, he was always one of my favorite musicians ever. My wife and I, we, I, we saw Crosby, Stills, Nash, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, Crosby, Nash, Crosby, Solo dozens and dozens of times over the awesome. years. 
and uh i knew he was he was always on twitter and he was he was very popular on twitter and he happened to see a, a short video i posted and i was when i'm writing stuff i always like to post like little minute long videos of some new music or whatever just to test the waters on new pieces and he came across one of these and he sort of retweeted it and said hey i really like this could i hear the rest of it mm -hmm. and um i was kind of freaked out that you know he actually paid attention to it and uh, I didn't have a rest of a song because that's all I had was a minute written of the song. <laughs> so I, I kind of freaked out. And then um, I finished that song that night and I recorded it the next day and I sent him the video. I said, well, here's the whole song. And he said, I really like this. Uh, I've never heard of you. Can I, you know, where could I find your music? So I sent him downloads to everything. And then we started communicating, you know, via Twitter and then via email. And he was playing a, a West Coast tour in, I'm going to say 2015. And I just, you know, tweeted to him, hey, have a great tour. Wish we could be out there to see a show. And he got back to me and said, pick a show. You'll have backstage tickets wow. so we can meet. So I said to Marie, I said, well, I guess we have to fly to California because we have to go meet Crosby. And and we did and uh, went to the Freight and Salvage in Berkeley. And it, the funny thing is that we get to the show and I pick up my tickets at the at the counter and I walk in and who's the first person I see? Jeff Oster which oh, was really? like, okay. yeah, I was like, Jeff, okay. what are you doing here? Wow. And he, he had backstage passes too. So we both met Crosby that night. Uh, we stayed in touch and I would go see him anytime he was in New Jersey, New York, we would go to the show and we'd hang out before or after the show. So we got to know each other. Uh, and then, you know, he, he wanted to co-write a, a song together and he sent me some lyrics and I had set lyrics to uh, music and he really loved it. And we were hoping he would get it recorded, but had so many other tunes he was recording first mm. didn't happen but just the experience of writing a song with him was you know unbelievable uh and then the last couple of years yes during the pan pandemic he had asked me if i would be interested in working on a transcription book uh together he wanted to transcribe about 50 of his songs wow uh, especially the alternate tuning songs wow so over the last few years we would uh you know talk or zoom a lot and you know i would transcribe the songs and then we'd get guitars and we'd get on zoom and i'd play for him what i have and say we'll try to do this and we'd work out the transcriptions because he wanted not necessarily transcriptions note for note off the album uh we would take the recorded version we would take live versions we would take you know he would sit down and play for me and we would do like a distillation of all of those um, so if you were to sit down in a room with Crosby and he picked a guitar up, this is how he would play it. Okay. So we were working on that. I had about 20 tunes completed. Uh, unfortunately, as the world knows, he had passed away last week. Um, he was, he was super, super kind, uh, to not just me, my whole family. Uh, my son had just visited him in California a couple months ago. Wow. So he, he's, he was so gracious and so kind and so giving of his, you know, his time and his, his wisdom and his sense of humor was vicious, a great sense of humor. He was just really good to me. And I, you know, I don't know how it happened that I got into his orbit. You know, it was just a random tweet. Mm -hmm. So the universe is weird, man. It's, it's, it's <laughs> weird, but I'm so thankful for having his friendship for the last, you know, seven years or so he he was he was something else he, he was he was remarkable and so talented i mean especially working on this book of his guitar pieces i realized what a phenomenal guitar player he was and he really thought outside the box boy some of his tunes are just you know i'd be playing finger around thinking like what is he doing here it's it's so cool but what what who would do that uh, uh, and he would always uh, say he, he would always say i'm weird that's why i like you because you're weird too 
So I took that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, that that's yeah. that's that's something. He was always always about the music. It seems he yeah. always had an and, idea, a new song, and a new wow. You know, yeah, and he called it like he saw it. You know, that's why he, you know, he always always got himself in trouble, and how a lot of people didn't like him because he just called things the way he saw them. You know, yeah, he just he spoke his mind, and you know, that's yeah. how it was. But musically, yeah, he heard music differently. <laughs> and it came out differently that's for sure it came out differently and you got to see yeah. the inside of it the the workings of it the mechanics yeah of it. yeah i yeah. i i will forever be grateful for the universe making that happen somehow unbelievable uh, unbelievable yeah and you know i i've been very fortunate to get a chance to work with my absolute musical heroes you know will yeah. and getting to know david um and you know even performing in david cohen like all these guys that i grew up listening to that you know i idolized I, i've been very very fortunate to work with some of them and i'm so grateful for that it's just i don't know how it happened but it happened i'm so so grateful that's that's it's that's thank you for sharing that, that stories on this on this sure. show and and talking talking to me about it and and where can people go? We've talked about, you know, musical sharing and what happens with it. Where can people go to to find your music, your tabs, compositions, recordings? Yeah, just go to my website, which is vindowns.com. And it's D-O-W-N-E-S. There's an E in there. Uh, everything's out. I have links to everything on my website. So there's yeah. links to uh, streaming my music. There's links to buy CDs. There's links for the tabs. Everything's there. That's the easiest place to get me. And all my social media stuff is on there as well. Awesome. Ben, thank you. Nice to meet you. I'm I'm glad to connect this way, you know. This has been great. I really appreciate the uh the invite and this conversation was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Well, likewise, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks for cool. doing this. Keep doing what you're doing, man. It's important. I love it. Likewise. And thanks again to my guest on this episode of Tones and Drones, guitarist and composer, Vin Downs. Once again, you can visit his website, vindowns.com, and also his Bandcamp page, vindowns.bandcamp.com, for more information about him and his music. I'd like to remind you, you can find Tones and Drones on all the major podcast platforms, also on the NPR One app, and you can listen to Tones and Drones Radio. It's a radio show version of the podcast that airs on 91.3 FM KVLU, Sunday evenings at 10 p.m. Central Time. You can stream the station at KVLU. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm Jason Miller, and may music bring you peace and joy.